Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right, welcome back to the Gospel for Life. We have been dealing with um, some questions, some popular questions regarding theology and what the Bible says on the show the last few days. And uh, these aren't just, you know, questions dealing with finer points of theology. They also deal with very practical points, and that's what question number seven is today. So, brothers, why would a loving and holy God allow a child to suffer through a serious illness such as cancer? Gosh, I'd like to know that one. Yeah. <laughs> well, for, you know, first of all, let's say that um, there may be somebody listening right now that, that's dealing with this in, in your family, with your, with your child. and. Uh, so we want to handle this with great sensitivity, and, and our heart is with you today, and, and our prayers with you. So, you know, on, on one level, there's really no on 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 one level, what the Christian is called to do is simply come alongside and love, uh, without trying to offer explanations. But mm-hmm. as far as explanation can go, the the first thing that I would say is that the world as it is now is not as God intended, that we live in a fallen world, right. uh, that it, it, we, the world is broken and nature is broken, mm-hmm. and that includes things like cancer um, and, and uh, the, the suffering that, that goes along with it. We, we live in a fallen world. Well, I, I said in tongue in cheek, I'd like to know because I'll, I'll visit the oncologist today yes. and, and just follow up on uh, my colon cancer. And I, I, you know, the Lord has brought me through that. I think one of the things that happens, and we realize that when, um, you know, when a Christian gets cancer, so does everybody else. Um, uh, my dad passed away with pancreatic cancer, and, you know, when he was up in the hospital in Seattle. As uh, you know, one of the nurses said, "Why do why do these things happen to nice people like you?" And he he simply said, "Well, I'm a people, and this happens to people, and uh, we do recognize, as you said, we live in this fallen world. Uh, you know, this wasn't you know this wasn't the way it was created to be, but because of sin, sin entered the world, and sin has affected everything. And as Romans says." Creation groans in travail until the adoption of sons. So what does God do with our cancer right now? Well, it gives us an opportunity to glorify him and trust in him. Whatever comes into our life is for our good and his glory. I mean, he's going to get glory. When we talk about all things working together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose, we're not saying all things are good. We're saying that God can um, bring good out of that. And 
You know, I've seen that with with a number of individuals. Sometimes it's, uh, you know, this godly saint that's going to give God glory and show people how a righteous man dies. Other times it's with somebody who has struggled with their relationship with God and is finding God in that moment. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I see that with a friend right now. You know, she's in her mid-40s and she's... Um, you know, she she made a profession of faith to trust in God because, you know, this life is not all that there is. Mm-hmm. I think when you look at something like this, you, you realize that God is a God that is holy and righteous and true and just. And he created a world in which there was no sin and warned our, our first parents that if you— Go against what my good commands are. You will introduce into the world sin and all of the consequences of sin. And in their pride and rebellion, our, our first parents, Adam and Eve, chose the way of pain and death. Um, and God in his goodness, a loving and holy God, says sin will not have the final word that there comes a day in which I will make all things new. And so unfortunately, we live in a world in which we are bearing the just consequences of our sin. And so why does God allow? Well, he is in effect honoring the choice that we made as people to live in defiance of him, which means we live in a world of sin. Mm-hmm. But The fact of the matter is that in Christ, there's going to be a new heavens and a new earth in which there will be no longer any sin, and there won't be any of the effects of sin. And so we really see the loving and holy character of God, not in the world in which we have marred, but in the world in which he has promised for those that put their trust in Jesus Christ. And I I think that one of the things that we need to to realize is when we're talking about the effects of sin. Uh, Jesus actually addressed this, you know, in John chapter 9 when uh, there's the man born blind and his disciples are asking, who sinned, this man or his parents? And and Jesus' reply was, you know, this, you know, neither this man or his parents sinned in this way that caused this, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. You know, there's not a direct, there's not always, maybe some on occasion, but because we're in a fallen world, sin has affected all of us. Mm-hmm. Sickness mm-hmm. A, comes upon all of us. Disease comes upon all of us in that way. Uh, so the idea is in the end that the works of God might be manifest. Yeah, and I think, so Phil used the word intended. We live in a world that's not you know, God's intention. So totally agree. From, from God's revealed will, that which he commands men, the world that we live in right now was not God's intention. But God's secret will. Uh, the gospel, the mystery that was hidden for ages, this world that we live in is exactly sure. the world that God wanted because this is the world where we get Jesus Christ who came down in the flesh and became united to us. And, you know, why would a loving and holy God allow a child to suffer through a serious illness such as cancer? You brothers gave excellent answers. Let me just add one more. Sometimes God is teaching us to share in the sufferings of Christ. 
A father who has a son or a daughter who has cancer, as heartbreaking as that is, God gave up his only son for us to something far worse than cancer, to his own wrath, his holy wrath towards sin. And there is a sense well, in which— Because you could almost ask the question, why would a loving and holy heavenly father allow his only son to suffer the effects of sin that he wasn't responsible for? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I want maybe one more thing. There is an, uh, an errant theology today called open theism. And for these type of questions, they tell you, well, the pastoral way to answer these questions is, dear saint, this, God didn't want this for you, and, and God couldn't stop this, and this isn't God's fault. And, and, and I think that's atrocious theology. because <laughs> No it, comfort. <laughs> no comfort, because it basically says that you are not in the hands of a sovereign and loving God. You are in the hands that is, is of a God who's trying to fight off the devil. And I, it, it's, it's really unhelpful. There's, there's, also, there's also a reminder in the book of James that, you know, when the one that's sick can't call and ask for prayer. And, you know, we're told in some way that the prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Now there's, you know, that's not saying that everybody's going to be healed, but, that, but it is saying with prayer, I'm better able to face what God has given to me in this life through sickness or whatever. Amen. And brother, I just got to say, Jonathan, that uh, you've been a wonderful example to all of us. Like whenever we've asked you how you're doing, you've, you've always turned it back to, to God's mercy on you and grace on you. You've not had a bitter spirit. And that comes from trusting that your father is, has the best intentions for you. So I really appreciate that. Well, and <clears throat> also, and this is a bit of a thought, thought experiment, but in a fallen world, in a, in a world where we are not people are in rebellion against God. If there were no suffering in this world, now we're, we, we look forward to a day as redeemed people when sin will be in an evil and death will be defeated, and then we will be in a world where there is no suffering. But in this fallen world, if there were no suffering, just think about this for a minute. If you, if you could wave a wand and make all suffering go away, nobody ever got sick, nobody ever fell off a cliff and got hurt, You've, you've just made a world in which nobody will ever have to cooperate about anything. Nobody will ever have to sacrifice for another. Nobody will ever have to give of themselves to serve another. Mm. In our fallen state, our, our suffering is part of what moves us to cooperate together, even, even unbelievers to cooperate together in a society where we look out for one another. And, uh, you know, there, there is blessing in this that draws us toward God mm-hmm. that, that would not be there. Now, and once again, I want to emphasize, we do look forward to the day when all pain and suffering will be passed. But that's when we are going to be redeemed. We're going to be, we are going to be a new creation. But, in this world, then this may sound too easy to say, in this world, suffering can be a gift that draws us toward Christ and draws us toward one another in love and service. All right, one more question before we get off the show today. Question number eight, did Jesus ever laugh? What did the scriptures tell about his character and sense of humor? I think a lot of the... A lot of the humor of, of Jesus is lost on us just because of cultural context issues. 
But let me give you one example of, of something, something that Jesus said that I think his original audience would have laughed out loud. Remember the parable of the unforgiving servant. And uh, there's a servant uh, who goes in before the king. And what, what does it remind, tell me to remember, guys, how much does he owe the king? It's, it's an like astronomical yeah, figure that he could never have paid. Yeah. Well, yeah, and, and, and I'm sorry, I can't remember exactly how many talents it is. But it's as if, you know, it's as if Jesus said this guy was $10 billion. Mm-hmm. And the, his original audience would have laughed that because it's it's this it's this outrageous amount of money and it's kind of lost on us today, mm-hmm. and so that's that's the kind of thing I think that would that line would have at least got a chuckle, but it's kind of lost on us today because we don't recognize immediately how much money that is. Yeah. Well, I think that we need to recognize that Jesus was fully man, so that he would have been humored by some things. But you know, one of the things that we often talk about is how close humor and tragedy are it wouldn't have been that way with the lord he would not have been humored by tragedy (laughs) we can say that i mean ecclesiastes says that there is a time for every matter under heaven and the contrast is there is a time to to weep and a time to laugh Mm -hmm. he was he was truly a human being yeah and so he lived in all of the fullness of humanity meaning he did cry and he did laugh because he was he was truly a person and amen and and no doubt the emphasis of his first coming was he was a man of sorrows in the next kingdom at the marriage supper of the lamb we will be laughing Mm -hmm. and full of joy with our savior we'll see you next time 